Welcome to the Healthy Hormones for Women podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gladish, online nutritionist, weight loss coach, and hormone fixer-upper. I'm excited to bring you a weekly dose of information and inspiration, sharing with you simple and effective strategies from health, wealth, and all things personal growth. Get ready to become the master of your hormones and experience vibrant health to live a life of more power and possibility. Welcome back, everybody. I can't believe we are nearing 30 episodes and we have actually reached over 30,000 downloads, which is amazing. And it blows my mind. And I'm so happy and thankful and grateful for all of your support and your podcast love. Thanks for being here with me. I'm excited to share with you all my knowledge and expertise and dive into these podcasts each and every week. And of course, if there's information and topics that you guys want me to dive into, don't hesitate to let me know so I can address those topics on a future episode. So in all honesty, it's actually a little strange recording this podcast today because it is actually August at the time that I'm recording and prepping a lot of these interviews because I'm away in September in Italy for most of September. So while you're listening to this, I'm actually flying back, I think, in just two more days, which is so unfortunate. But I hope you've been following me over on Instagram and been sharing lots of Italy posts and videos. And it's been an awesome journey and I don't want it to end, but come connect with me over there. And yeah, see what I'm up to and see what I'm eating, all the deliciousness in Italy. And so Let's dive into today's episode. I'm so excited to interview Carol Laurie. We dive into all things PCOS, blood sugar balancing, emotional well-being, and breast cancer prevention and recovery, which is such an important topic and an area that Carol focuses on quite extensively in her practice. She has a program that's coming out in October called The Path of Breast Cancer, Journey with Energy, Empowerment, and Grace. And it's a wonderful online program for women who are looking for breast cancer prevention, as well as support during recovery. So if this is you, or if you know somebody close to you that needs support in this area, then definitely send them on over to this online program. You can access the program over at the show notes, holisticwellness.ca forward slash episode 27. And all the links and information there about Carol's online program can be accessed there. So after graduating from Temple University in Philadelphia, Carol went on to attend the National College of Naturopathic Medicine in Portland, Oregon. She moved to California where she attended the San Francisco College of Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine and became a licensed acupuncturist in California. Carol views hormonal imbalances such as PCOS and infertility as a wheel with many spokes. They are interrelated and respond to a similar approach to treatment. The contributing factors or spokes of the wheel are metabolic syndrome or blood sugar dysregulation, inflammatory process, HPA axis imbalance, and a woman's response to environmental toxins. Each of the spokes contributes to PCOS, impacts a woman's overall health, as well as her hormonal health and her fertility. So let's dive into today's episode with Carol Laurie. Hi, Carol. Welcome to the show. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. 
it's a pleasure. I'm so excited you're here. And I would love it if you can share with our audience more about you and what you do. Well, I'm a graduate of the National College of Naturopathic Medicine in Portland, Oregon. And then I moved to California and I got my acupuncture license here. That was over 30 years ago. And now I am a naturopath and an acupuncturist and a functional medicine practitioner. And I'm also a homeopath. So I use all of those modalities in my practice when I work with women, mostly women, although I do see men sometimes. And I have a very emotionally based approach towards the work I do. In other words, if you don't handle the emotions that come with chronic disease, my experience has been you don't quite recover your health. And I'm into helping people really recover their health to restore their life. That's really wonderful. And just on a random note, I hear Portland, Oregon is the place to visit if you're a foodie. (laughs) When I lived there, it was in the late 70s. You could buy a house for $26,000 then. It's a little bit more expensive now. And since that time, I worked actually in one of the first farm-to-table restaurants in Portland, Oregon. And in those days, the expression farm-to-table hadn't been even existed yet. But we were sourcing our fish from the Columbia, and we were buying freshly grown vegetables. And the food was phenomenal. I was 60 pounds heavier then than I am now. That's how good the food was. And I was a good cook when I started there, but it helped me become a much better cook and really appreciate the importance of fresh quality ingredients. Yes, Portland is a wonderful city to go to for restaurants now. Awesome. It's definitely on my list of places to travel to. So I'll have to get there soon. So I know that you work with a lot of women who have PCOS or infertility and women who have had multiple miscarriages. What do you feel is the link between these hormonal conditions or imbalances? Well, I think that's a really important, good question. Polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS for people who aren't quite familiar with it, is it's a syndrome. And that means there are multiple different contributing factors that make it up to have all of those symptoms that create the diagnosis of polycystic ovarian syndrome. Then there's the infertility component of it. And there is the failed multiple miscarriages component of it. So all of these are by themselves, individual topics that I think it's best to separate because polycystic ovarian syndrome doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to have failed miscarriages and have fertility problems, but it can often lead to that if the underlying metabolic dysregulation is not properly dealt with. So if it's okay with you, I'll take everything separately. Definitely. Well, let's talk about polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is a topic dear to my heart. So often women have this illness or disease or syndrome, and it goes undiagnosed. And I find often that is because the gynecologists aren't doing a deep enough dive into all the complex symptoms. There is a certain way that women with polycystic ovarian syndrome often look, and they can be pear-shaped, and they can have difficulty losing weight even if they're following a meticulous food plan. And that is because there's something called insulin resistance or metabolic syndrome that often accompanies the polycystic ovarian syndrome. And what that entails in your body is that your cells become sensitive to insulin. 
So they aren't able to take the insulin up enough. And then the insulin is hanging around in your bloodstream and leads to too much sugar hanging out there. And that in turn feeds the ovarian cysts that are forming on your ovaries. So how do we go about changing and working with polycystic ovarian syndrome? A medical approach is to put a woman on birth control pill to regulate her period and then give her metformin, which is a medication for diabetes. And I feel like that is what I would call a top-down approach. And I like to really go from the bottom up. And what that means as a functional medicine practitioner is I like to look at the symptoms and not take them apart and find out what are the contributing inflammatory markers and all of the other contributing markers that are making the symptoms exist. And then we go and we approach it from a deep functional medicine perspective. So if a woman has polycystic ovarian syndrome, I think across the board in my practice, any woman who has hormonal issues, I always look and I always start with the nutrition. That for me is the foundation of any health recovery plan. And on my website, and we'll be talking about this, I have a free guide. It's called the Healthy Hormonal Nutrition Guide. And I've taken all my years of research and practice and put it into this guide. And basically, the approach that I have is a modified Mediterranean diet. And why did I choose that? approach because first of all it's very easy to eat that way and live in today's society second of all it's been well researched and it has the right components of essential fats and minimal protein and lots of green live vegetables and food and minimal carbohydrates and for the women that I work with I often suggest that they be gluten free And that is because even if you say, well, I don't have a gluten allergy or I don't have celiac disease, I don't need to be gluten-free. And I think being gluten the way it is now in our society tends to be inflammatory. And we want to do everything we can to lower the inflammatory quotient. And it's also important that when you're gluten-free, then you don't just go to the white, there is white flour gluten. And then there are over-the-counter products that have a lot of this gluten, white flour, non-gluten, white flour, they look like they're white. And the white component of food is inflammatory. So even if you're gluten-free and you're eating a gluten-free cracker or gluten-free cookies or gluten-free bread, you still want to stay away from that kind of food because it tends to be too inflammatory. It has sugar in it and it's too processed, even if it is gluten-free. So what are the combinations that go into creating multiple miscarriages or infertility or inability to even get pregnant? So one of the things that I look at when I work with women in those areas is also we start with the nutritional component. Often women come to see me after they've been worked up by their reproductive endocrinologist or gynecologist, and they may found that they have some kind of estrogen or progesterone imbalance. They may be on hormones to help regulate their cycle. And I like to look at the inflammatory components that are contributing to their infertility or failed miscarriages. For example, there's something called C-reactive protein, and that looks at what kind of inflammation is in the blood. 
And then there are further interleukin-6 and interleukin-8 are also further blood workup that look at inflammation in the blood. And the other important component we want to look at is, we can't forget this, is how is a woman's thyroid behaving? Now, often when you go to the doctor, they'll run one test. It's called the thyroid stimulating hormone or TSH. And that will be, quote, within normal range. And they'll say your thyroid is fine. Well, as a functional medicine practitioner, there are many additional thyroid blood workups that we like to use. And I'll just list some of them, thyroid peroxidase and thyroid antibodies. And those are looking to see if you have Hashimoto's. And what happens if you have Hashimoto's? Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disease in which the inflammation of the autoimmune disease focuses on your thyroid. So it's different from regular hypothyroid or hyperthyroid because there's an autoimmune component. And a colleague of mine, Isabella Wentz, has written several books on Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and she's a wonderful reference. Also, another friend of mine, Michelle Corey, has written a book called The Thyroid Cure. So there is a lot of information out there for women who are interested in finding out the complexity of how to really diagnose your Hashimoto's if you have that and how to take charge of your thyroid health in a way that is long-lasting and goes beyond taking a thyroid replacement hormone. In my practice, I always use a gluten-free, low-inflammatory diet to help women recover their thyroid health and make sure that they have certain nutrients in their diet and taking through supplements to really support thyroid health. And all of these factors together are what contribute to getting pregnant and to looking at your inflammation and your enough chi and energy to get pregnant and if you're having fertility problems. Okay, that's really, really great. And so just going back to PCOS for a second, I know that a lot of women get confused here because some of the women that I work with in my practice say, you know, but I don't have cysts, so I don't have PCOS. You don't have to have cysts to have PCOS. And so maybe you can speak to that and some of the important testing that's involved with PCOS. Well, the medical diagnostic workup for polycystic ovarian syndrome should always involve a vaginal ultrasound. And the reason it is often vaginal is because that is the way you can obtain the best vision of your ovaries. And they usually do it both on your abdomen and then also through your vagina to get the closest perspective of what's happening with your ovaries. Some women, as you said, can have polycystic ovarian syndrome without ovarian cysts. And one of the tests that need to be done to diagnose polycystic ovarian syndrome involve a blood workup for your glucose. So there's fasting insulin, fasting glucose, and then something called hemoglobin A1C, which is a three-week average of what's been going on with your blood glucose over an extended period. So we're looking to see if there's a diabetic or a pre-diabetic condition. And that contributes to the metabolic syndrome and the insulin resistance that we often see with polycystic ovarian syndrome. And so speaking of insulin resistance and blood sugar management, why is it important to address our blood sugar? How does that relate to our overall hormonal health? Well, 
our overall hormonal health is a reflection of our entire health in our body. We can't separate our hormonal health as, oh, it's out there and it doesn't matter if I eat a whole bunch of sugar or drink five cups of coffee a day or lots of alcohol because that's not going to impact my hormonal health. Your hormonal health is part of your overall health and it's a reflection of how well you take care of yourself on a daily basis. So what was the other part of your question that you wanted to know? <laughs> why, why is blood sugar management so important for our overall hormonal right. health? So blood sugar management is important for our hormonal health because it's important for our health period. And your hormones are also made up of certain chemicals which respond to sugar and fat in a very intense way. So if you have a diet that is filled with saturated fats, you're not going to be able to make the building blocks of your hormones as well. So that's why the Mediterranean diet is what I suggest because the healthy fat in it is the olive oil, and that forms a very good foundation for making the hormones, the chemicals that make the hormones. And the blood sugar is, if you're eating a lot of sugar and it's flying around your bloodstream on a very high level, that then again impacts your hormones and it makes it difficult for your hormones to self-regulate. Right. I can bet that there are a lot of women thinking, well, I don't have diabetes or I'm not pre-diabetic. I don't have issues with insulin. But I think so many of us are maybe unaware of what some of these signs and symptoms of blood sugar irregularity can look like. So maybe you can share a bit about that. Sure. I think this is really important because diabetes has been known to be called the silent killer. And that is because, that's a really intense name, but that is because severe symptoms of blood sugar are often, quote, asymptomatic. But I think that there are some clues that women can listen and find for themselves that might give them an indication that they need to go and get their blood sugar checked. For example, if you eat a meal that is not high sugar, let's say you're eating a meal that is filled with simple proteins and vegetables. So it's not like you've had a pastry and a sugary coffee drink in the morning. That's a different experience. If you eat a meal with protein and has good fat in it and vegetables, and then half an hour to two hours later, you are feeling exhausted and maybe shaky and like you can't focus or concentrate, that is an indication that you're having some blood sugar problems. If you eat a meal, as I suggested earlier, a pastry and a sugary coffee drink, and you feel that way almost immediately after you're done eating, that is an indication that you're having blood sugar problems. If you feel like never satisfied after you eat a meal, even if it's a large meal, if you are eating a lot and you can't stop eating, you're never full, that is an indication that you might be having some blood sugar problems. If you find yourself urinating a lot, even more than what you're drinking, so you're input is eight ounces of water, and then you're needing to pee quite a bit of liquid every 20 minutes to two hours, then that can be an indication that you're having pretty severe blood sugar problems because diabetes sometimes can lead to having to urinate often. So you want to look at your energy and see if your energy is able to be sustained by the food that you're eating. 
Right. And I mean, diabetes really is a lifestyle disease, you know, type two diabetes. So there's so much that we can do nutritionally mm-hmm. to really reverse this and support this. That's, I think, one of the messages that all of us functional medicine practitioners are trying to get out there because a lot of the advertising you see on television is geared for people who already have diabetes. And as you just said, there is something called juvenile diabetes, which is a different experience. It's an autoimmune illness and attacks the pancreas. And it usually happens to people under 22. But adult onset diabetes, as you said, is absolutely a lifestyle illness and is, from my perspective, pretty easily, you don't have to have this if you are willing to undertake some simple lifestyle changes and changes in your nutrition and how you exercise and how you spend your time. Yes, absolutely. I've worked with many diabetics in my practice and it's crazy just in a matter of seven days how Mm -hmm. much their blood sugar can drop and get into normal range. And yes, they'll feel maybe a little headachey or dizzy and, you know, feel off at first, but just by simple dietary changes, you know, their blood sugar can come within the normal range. So I just want to shift here, going back to infertility and miscarriages. I know that you provide IVF support and Mm -hmm. pre and post implantation acupuncture. Mm -hmm. So what is this all about? Well, The healthier your body is when you go into IVF, the better the results will be. So I have a woman in my practice now who does have polycystic ovarian syndrome, and she came in and she had on so much perfume that I had to open the windows. I have a scent-free office. And I said to her, so, you know, what's your house like? And she is one of these people, and I had her detox her home. She was using the chemical spray that you see advertised. They tell you you need to put on your sofas, which you don't. She had candles with odors in her house. She had those room fresheners. She had the dryer sheets. And all of those things, they're filled with chemicals. And those chemicals are known as estrogen disruptors. And what those chemicals do is they mimic estrogen So when your body is done with estrogen, it needs to be detoxed through the liver and the gut. And if you are smelling these chemicals and you're putting them in your laundry and they get into your body through your open pores on your skin, when they hang out in your bloodstream, they sort of look like estrogen. So if you think about estrogen needing to be detoxed and it goes into these parking spots, for example... And then the real estrogen is there, but the fake estrogen has taken up those parking spots. The real estrogen doesn't have any place to be detoxed and it builds up in your body and that can create biochemical havoc for you. It can create what is known as estrogen dominance. So when I was working with her, one of the things we did is we had to help her detox her home. And I asked her to send me a photo of everything that she took out that had chemicals in. And I got a photo with 29 items in it. Oh, man, that's a lot. You know, and she was wondering why she wasn't able to get pregnant. And she was about to go to IVF. And I said, let's give this three months because three months is how long it takes for your eggs to develop another cycle. So if we provide your body with the super nutrition that she needs to make healthy eggs and to detox your home and 
detox your body. Let's see what happens. So four months into this, she just got pregnant naturally and she was about to go to IVF. But she was young. She was 32. So if you're 39 and you're worried about getting pregnant and you want to have a baby now, what I say is work. There are fertility acupuncturists. There are naturopaths. There's quite a few of us. Try to work with someone for three months before you start your IVF procedure because you will get your body in better shape and then you will have a more positive response to IVF. IVF is not an easy path. I mean, there's a lot of hormones involved. Those hormones can impact your mood. It's very intense. It's pressured. And you want to have as positive an impact as possible. And in my practice, when I'm working with a woman undergoing IVF, I give her what I call a healing smoothie. It has a lot of super nutrition in it to provide her body with the nutrients that she needs to make really lots of healthy eggs. And then we can also decrease some of the impact that the hormones have on her. That's wonderful. Can you share a bit about your healing smoothie? Oh, I love to share about my healing smoothie. (laughs) On my website, there is a free download, the healing smoothie download. So I have a private label protein powder that I use. It's vanilla coconut flavor, but there are lots of good protein powders out there that people can use. There's also whey that is alternative substitute. And so that's the base. But into that, I put some kind of greens and we use coconut water and we put some sea veggie powder in it, which has a lot of support for the thyroid gland a heaping tablespoon each of organic flax and chia seeds. And when you buy your flax and chia seeds, you want to bring them home and put them in a glass jar and keep them in the refrigerator because they tend to oxidize and you don't want oxidized flax or chia seeds. You're going against the purpose of what they do. Absolutely. Flax has a lot of really positive fats in them. And then I put like half a cup of organic blueberries. And if they're not in season. Organic frozen blueberries is fine. So when you first make this, sometimes it takes a couple times of putting it together to see if you like it thinner or thicker, but it can take you know a week to get the exact amount of liquid to the powder to every, all the additions right. So don't be discouraged if the first time you make it and it comes out like a blob and you don't want to eat a pudding, the next time you make it, you know, put in another half cup of liquid. So you can use water or coconut water or unsweetened almond or nut milk. You don't want to use rice milk because it is too naturally sweet. Right. Good tip. That smoothie is what I call a PFF, a protein, fat, and fiber combination, which is just perfect, which is important for balancing your blood sugar as well. Right. And you talking about fat, you can also put some avocado in there and you could also put some essential fatty acid liquid as long as it doesn't taste like fish. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. I don't typically recommend fish oil. I've had many clients put that into their smoothies, but then they end up wasting all these great ingredients because they don't drink it. Right. It tastes horrible. I agree. So speaking of acupuncture, it's actually one of those treatments that I have not yet experienced. Myself. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And, 
And I have a lot of naturopathic friends who are constantly telling me to come in and to get a treatment. So I will definitely take them up on it. But I have read a lot about how wonderful it is for supporting progesterone levels. You know, how can acupuncture support our hormonal health? Well, you know, Chinese medicine has a little bit of a different perspective about hormones than Western medicine. And I think that for Chinese medicine, we look at your overall chi or energy, and that has to be in balance. And there are pulses on the sides of your hands. You use your second, third, and fourth finger when I take someone's pulse, and there is the superficial pulse and then the deep pulse. And when you do this for many years, you can put your fingers on somebody's, you know, the sides of their wrists, and you can get a sense about which organs are in balance and which have enough energy and which are deficient, which have too little energy. And the whole purpose of acupuncture is to balance the meridians and balance the energy. So in Chinese medicine, if your organs and your chi or the freeways of your energy are in balance, then your hormones will be in balance. And there are specific points that we use, especially with preparing a woman for IVF transfer before and after. And it's all about before IVF, before support, it's all about opening the body to receive you know, the fertilized egg. And then post-transfer, it's about welcoming the egg into a woman's womb. And the whole purpose of working with an acupuncturist while you're undergoing IVF or before fertility, pregnancy, is you want to have enough chi or energy in your kidneys as in the, chi- the Chinese perspective of the kidneys, because in Chinese oriental medicine, that is where we give the energy of the mother to the fetus that comes from her kidneys. Now, we're not talking about the medical kidneys that have to do with making your urine. We're talking about the Chinese concept of kidneys and or the oriental concept of that. So in Chinese medicine, we work on a woman's kidneys to make sure there's enough energy in there. We also want to work on her spleen to make sure it can support the blood flow, as well as the liver to help her be able to detox the hormones that she's receiving if she's undergoing IVF treatment. Yeah, that sounds really Wonderful. Sounds like a great strategy you have in place there to really help take women through that process because it can definitely be with IVF, it can be quite a stressful process. So, one of the best things about acupuncture is it really calms the nervous system. And I think that in our society right now, we all need calmer nervous systems. I agree. (laughs) I absolutely agree. Yes. So I know that you've studied integrative oncology and you'll be releasing an incredible program in the fall called The Path to Breast Cancer. What inspired you to create this online program? Well, thank you for bringing that up. It's a topic dear to my heart. I had a dear friend who I went with her to every single breast cancer treatment that she had, every single surgery, every single pre-op, every single post-op, every single chemo treatment, every single radiation. And I really got to experience firsthand what it was like and how lacking the system is in support. And as a naturopath and a functional medicine practitioner, there is so much that we can do 
to contribute to standard allopathic treatment. I've been fortunate enough to study with my mentor. His name is Donnie Yance, and he is the founder of the Madiri Foundation in Ashland, Oregon. And that is where I really began to be exposed to what is integrative oncology and how can you use herbs and diet and nutrition in a very systemic, positive way to influence and lessen side effects of chemotherapy and radiation. So my course is in no way a substitute for standard treatment, but it is meant to be a support for women who are going through treatment, as well as how to recover your health post-active treatment. And if you have a family history of breast cancer and you want to find out how to eat and what supplements can you take to lessen your chances and, and prevent a possible occurrence, there is a module for that too. That's really wonderful. There's so many women that are going to benefit from taking that program. And I have so many women that are coming to mind right now that I really want to share that with. So I'm really excited that you're launching that because it's also very unique. And I feel that it's not something that is so readily available to many of us. So I think that's really important. Well, thank you. I used all of my personal experience and I spent 18 months with my friend going through her treatment. Like that was the priority in my life more so than my practice. So I really have firsthand knowledge of what it entails. And since then, I've been working with many women in my practice who are undergoing breast cancer treatment. So it's interesting. On one hand, I work with women who have polycystic ovarian syndrome and they have fertility difficulties. And then on the other hand, I see a lot of women with breast cancer. <laughs> so they're little sort of different ends of the spectrum, but they all have to do with my belief that complex chronic disease needs a lot of support and you can really impact your path through focused nutrition and supplements. So can you tell us about the eclectic triphasic medical system? Yes, yes. I read about this on your site, and this is an approach to the treatment of cancer and chronic disease. What is this about? Right. Well, this is the terminology that Donna Yance has authored for his program, and it has to do eclectic triphasic medical systems. So it's his approach, and he takes in the eclectics. The eclectics are the originators of natural health. And they are the first people who began to use herbs. And they really began to think about what are the constituents of the herbs and how do they impact the body and what are the properties and how are they beautifully able to help people heal. So that's the eclectic part of it. The triphasic has to do with you're not just treating the cancer, you have to treat the person as a whole being. So their physicality, their emotional perspective, their stress level, their genetics. That's the part of the triphasic. And then the medical system is, what? how are we going to take the best of what allopathic medicine uses and focus it so it can be individuated for the person? So for example, with the women I work with, there's advanced genetic and diagnostic molecular testing that can be done on breast cancer tumors. And unfortunately, it's not a standard protocol. I think it should be because for certain cancers, there have been FDA studies and they go for cancer A, the chemotherapy treatment is B and C. 
But there are some women who have genetic markers, which if you know them, they're going to indicate that they are going to fail chemotherapy. So why go through the toxins of chemotherapy if it's not going to work? So there is a report, which I always recommend women get. It's called the CARIS, C-A-R-I-S. And most times it's covered by insurance. These people really have gone out of their way to work with insurance companies. This is a laboratory that's been around for over 12 years. They've done thousands of tumor samples. We're not talking about a touchy-feely, you know, hippie thing. We're talking about science. And the wonderful thing about a Karis report is it brings back all of the genetic markers, all of the chemotherapy drugs that your tumor will be sensitive and respond to. And then what are the other options? And if there are any studies or clinical trials that you could become part of. So that provides a wealth of information out there that is available to women. And my attitude about chemotherapy is and radiation is, if you're going to do it, let's make sure you need to do it. Because there was a recent study that came out that showed 70% of women who had low aggressive cancer don't need chemotherapy. Well, so that meant that all those women had been getting chemotherapy when they didn't need it. That study was a little misleading because it didn't take into account certain other genetic markers, which we need to consider when we're talking about breast cancer. So if you're going to do chemo and radiation, let's make sure that it's the right chemo for you and that we're protecting your healthy cells and making sure that we are lessening the side effects of the chemotherapy and preparing your body and your mind for chemotherapy and also for radiation. Absolutely. So that's C-A-R-I-S? Correct. Okay. I'm going to be sure to link that up in our show notes so that women can access that. That's something that women really should. Part of the thing about my course is energy empowerment and grace. So I do a lot of education within each module so that women can become empowered and they can have knowledge and they can go into their oncologist and say, you know, I really want this Karis report done on my tumor sample. And they can show them why and they can come in with studies and references. So that knowledge is empowerment. So I think that's really important. Yeah, that's really great. That's really great information. So do you recommend mammograms or thermography? I recommend mammograms. There are people out there who go absolutely no to mammograms and they don't believe in thermography. I mean, I think women need to become educated and find what works for them. If you have very large, dense breasts, even if you are doing regular self-breast exams, it can be very difficult to pick up tumors. So in that case, thermography or mammograms are a good thing. If you have a family history of breast cancer, then I think you need to find an oncologist or a breast specialist who really understands that and can put you into a diagnostic mammogram category with maybe a a breast MRI every eight months or once a year. So... I think it's really up to the person to decide, but I think there can be mitigating contributing factors that really put a woman on a more advanced diagnostic track. Okay, good to know. So with breast cancer, do you recommend women seeking out second and third opinions and not to take what they hear from their doctor at face value? I'm always in favor of a second opinion. Even if the doctor tells you, 
the same thing that doctor number one told you. Right. I think one of the first things that's important when you, you're working with a doctor is that you find a doctor who really will listen to you and not diminish what your desires are. And I think I want to encourage women to really get in as good shape as possible before they have their surgery or before they undergo treatment. Because this is one of the things that Donnie talks about in his eclectic triphasic medical system. The better the host, meaning the woman, is the better shape she's in, the better the outcome of the surgery or the treatment. There are naturopaths all over the country who specialize in naturopathic oncology. And there are integrative oncologists now. And in my course, we have references of how to find these people. So I really want to encourage people to not just take the first thing that is said to them, but do a little bit of research, maybe look through some of the information I have on the course or speak to another doctor or speak to colleagues. There are also supportive places on webs on Facebook that women can go to for knowledge. And unfortunately, in these days, we need to be our best empowered advocate. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So where does nutrition fit into one's protocol for breast cancer prevention and or even recovery? I know you kind of mentioned earlier the Mediterranean diet and taking out mm-hmm. gluten. So what are some essentials that we really do need to eat, but also avoid? Well, I love talking about this. Food is really dear to my heart. What do we need to avoid? Saturated fats, fried food, fast food, sugary drinks, standard meat. Mm-hmm. Going to a fast food place that has standardized meat is very bad for a woman's health who is undergoing breast cancer care or prevention or recovery. It's bad for everybody. Nobody should be eating like that. Sugary, over-the-counter boxed cereals. Mm -hmm. What else? Oh, tons of alcohol. Now, some alcohol is fine, but a lot of hard liquor isn't great for you. But if you want to have a glass of red wine every now and then, I think that's totally fine. I had a woman in my practice who came to see me 10 years after breast cancer treatment. And this is totally a true story. You can't make this stuff up. When she first came in, she could barely, I wanted to start walking for 10 minutes a day. She had a treadmill at home. It it took two months of her doing the healing smoothie and getting acupuncture weekly to get her vital force or her chi up enough for her to be able to start with 10 minutes once a day on her machine at home. So a year later, She finished a bike ride 25 miles a day for four days in a row for breast cancer. Man, that's amazing. It is amazing. But she felt bad for 10 years. And it only took a year to get her vital force and her energy and her health back. So I want to tell women out there that the stuff that people like myself encourage you to take really works. It's not like a little haphazard thing. Oh, I think I'll give you this. And you know, I don't know what it does, but take it. The program that we put together for women really works. And it works on a cellular and energetic level to up-level your health and have you live the beautiful, healthy life that you deserve. I mean, 10 years of not feeling well after breast cancer treatment is not uncommon, unfortunately. 
Right. And I mean, that story is amazing though, because it does show the resiliency of our bodies. And when given the right fuel and nutrition, we can heal. So that's the healing power of food and nature. That's beautiful the way that you said that. And it's really true. Our bodies are very resilient. They're just waiting for the right combination of super nutrients. Absolutely. And so your course is launching at the end of September? Yes, the end of September. And the path of breastcancer.com, healing with energy, empowerment, and grace. And it'll be out there on Facebook and also on your site. Yes. Yeah. I will share the link to that program in our show notes so that women can go there and access it. And so you mentioned emotional well being. So, what are some of the steps that we can take to dive deeper into our emotional well being? Well, one of the things I've seen with women who have breast cancer and also women in general is we tend to give too much at the expense of our own health. And as a homeopath, there's a term in homeopathy called a miasm, M-I-A-S-M, and certain diseases have certain energies to them. And cancer can be a miasm or have energy to it. And one of the focuses of that is that when you think about what cancer is, it's undifferentiated cells. So women who have cancer are often undifferentiated in their relationships, in their life, and they're rushing around a lot, taking care of everyone except themselves at the expense of their own health. So when women come in to see me, it's really a deep dive into the nature, not just of their physical condition, which is extremely important, but what are the emotions that are fueling the imbalance in their life? And everyone has imbalance in their lives. There's no judgment here. It's very difficult in our society not to have a perspective of something is going to be out of whack. And unfortunately, in our society, we're not taught about how to stay balanced as we're little. When you think about that, this should be something that's part of standard education, how to have a balanced life and how to stay in touch with our inner being and know how to take care of ourselves. And we have to learn that as adults. And it's never too late to learn that. So for breast cancer and for fertility and for polycystic ovarian syndrome, there's often too much of caring for other people and not enough for ourselves. And we have to put together a self-care protocol and a self-care package. And that is different for everyone. Often, women have to find that they have to lose or fire some of their women friends because those women are unhealthy in their lives. And as you get on a healing path or your own healthy path, you find that women who are continuing with self-sabotaging and negative and unhealthy behaviors, you just can't walk with them on your path anymore. Absolutely. I do think that that's, that's a really important note that you mentioned there because that quote, it makes me think of, you become like the five friends that you hang around. Mm-hmm. And it's true. I mean, ultimately, you do become influenced by the people around you. And especially with food, I find that we're so ingrained to be with friends and family and eat a lot of food. (laughs) A lot of that can have such a negative impact. And we tend to be very influenced by 
what our friends and family are eating, or we don't Mm -hmm. want to upset them by saying, no, we don't want to eat the food. And then we end up caving in and it ends up affecting our health in a negative way. Yeah, I think that's really important, especially around the holiday times. If you're on a healing path and you've really decided to take gluten out of your diet or what you're eating, and here we have Thanksgiving in November or some holiday coming up where one of the main things is this stuffing or pasta or something, it's very easy. One is you can bring your own pasta. It's very easy to make gluten-free pasta. Right. Or the other option is you can say, you know, I can't eat your stuffing, can we use gluten-free bread or make your own little bit of gluten-free stuffing and bring it with you? One of the things I really encourage women to do is we don't want to come at life from a place of deprivation. And we want to really be luxurious and full in our enjoyment of food and nature and our friendships. And it takes a lot of learning how to turn off that negative inner voice, which we all have, which is saying, oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter if you eat this. It's okay. It doesn't matter. You're allowed. But that negative voice really damages us. And as you're on your healing path and you're trying to stay upbeat and positive, even if you're in the middle of breast cancer treatment or infertility treatment, and your friends are coming in complaining about little itty bitty stuff, you're sensitive to that negative energy and it really influences your energetic sphere and you need to protect yourself from that. Absolutely. I think women need to really learn how to stand more in their power and learn how to say no. So, right. yes, thank you for that. That was really wonderful. And so I know you have a free healthy hormone guide that our audience can download and I'll be sure to share that in the show notes. Any last minute notes? suggestions, tips, anything that you want to offer the ladies listening? There's a lot of other free downloads on my website on the download section. So feel free to take anything and everything you like. There's a (laughs) smoothie download there. There's the Beeler's broth recipe. I have gluten guide and I love providing women with empowering information for them to use in their daily life. A few more positive, important thoughts. It takes a lot of support to get through a health crisis, whether it's polycystic ovarian syndrome, infertility, failed IVFs, multiple IVFs, or breast cancer. It takes a lot of support. Find a woman or a doctor who really will support your highest self and not diminish or dismiss your concerns. And don't give up. Thank you. I love that. That's a really beautiful message. Well, thank you so much, Carol, for sharing all this incredible information with us today and sharing your knowledge and your insights. I'll be sure to share all of your free guides and downloads in our show notes where everybody can access them, as well as the link to the Path to Breast Cancer online program. And ladies, you can head on over to carollaurie.com to find out more information about Carol and see what she's up to. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's been my honor. Thank you for having me so much. Thank you. My pleasure. 